Hi there, welcome to the sound of the start of your weekend, which is the Not The Top 20 podcast betting show sponsored by Betfair. Uh, this is me, Ali Maxwell, and him, George Ellick, making some betting picks ahead of the EFL weekend. We're talking about betting, and that comes with significant risks. So this podcast, very strictly for over-18s only. But also, if you are listening, if you're thinking about placing a bet this weekend or any time, please do make sure that you're gamble-aware. Understand the risks that come with placing a bet uh, fully and head to begambleaware.org in order to do so. All right, mate? All right. Good. Worst ever week on the betting show last week. Probably. Unless you're someone that wants us to lose. Yeah, minus five for me, minus four for you. Uh, your Ben Whitfield anytime pick. The best of the lot in that Barrows game was pulled I had, off. I didn't like anything. I had a look at the weather. Saw that there was some bad storms of brewing and thought that's where I'm going to go. Smart. Smart. Uh, the BTTS sixfold was actually probably the, the closest of the lot in a way. Uh, it became a fivefold due to postponement. Uh, you got two out of two and I got two out of three. So... Uh, a loser as well. That was very much the word of the week. Uh, I had to wait till Monday night for my nap. Very excited about Bolton against Portsmouth. Dion Charles missed an open goal after half an hour. And at that point, Pompey woke up and we're much the better team. So that was a, a bit of a blow. Pretty bleak week overall. So uh, hoping to be better this week. Uh, no value in letting clouds linger and letting judgment be clouded by poor performance and poor form, uh, George. So talk me through your nap. What's the best bet of the weekend in the EFL? Oh, do I like this? I hope so. <laughs> My nap is Cheltenham Town to beat Leighton Orient in League One. Interesting. Uh, they are 21 to 10, so bigger than 2 to 1 at home. I know they are, because they're also my next best. Yay! We're going Cheltenham. Cheltenham races this weekend. Famously. Going ahead Friday and Saturday. So it's just that Cheltenham kind of weekend. It's quite weird because I sat at this desk doing a Cheltenham preview about an hour ago to talk about that. It's made me got like a weird deja vu. You want to chuck any Cheltenham races picks in here? Little bonus picks? Feel free. Mm, no, I don't think I can. What about Cheltenham Town? Cheltenham Town, yeah, twenty-one to ten. Um, yeah, I just I'm 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 very surprised that you were, you were able to bat Cheltenham at home at this kind of price to a team that aren't in particularly good form. Like if you look at Cheltenham's home form recently, it is so far away from what they were up to under Wade Elliott previously. Like their last four home games, they've won two, they've drawn two. The two draws came against Derby, which is obviously a, a very good bit of form in itself. And then a one-all draw against Wigan, where they absolutely battered Wigan, like totally and utterly took them apart. Were incredibly unfortunate not to win that game. They beat Cambridge without much fuss, 1-0. Last time out at home, they beat Oxford 2-0. Again, a game where 11 v 11, v 11 before Rob Street was sent off for an elbow, they were by far the better side against a team who are currently who are sitting second in League One. Then, like Daryl Clark has come in and has completely changed this Cheltenham side to like a, a ridiculous degree. They are currently operating in my mind as a mid-table side um, when they were overwhelming favourites to finish bottom, and they would have finished bottom had their performances not improved, having not scored up until mid mid um, October. Now, one point they had <clears> after eleven games that is some head start to give the rest of the division. But th- there's no, there's no reason why this will necessarily continue through the season. I think we have to say that. Like, Cheltenham's form may slide again, but right now, there's whatever Clark is doing has them playing very well and operating at a high level. Their last couple of away games as well, they were really unfortunate not to beat Bristol Rovers last time out where they created the better chances in a one-all draw, having gone 1-0 up. They went to Charlton and went 1-0 up. Goodwin scored both the goals in those two games. He scored 3-3 three three now, and he is playing 
really well. Street obviously back from suspension. Oh no, I think he's got one more game to serve, hasn't he? He's got one more game to serve, um, so he won't be back for this one. But they're playing against the Leighton Orient side, who have made a pretty good start to life back in the uh, second tier. But they haven't won a game uh, since mid-October now. Eight games, weirdly five draws and three defeats. I mean, if you look at draws and try and work out when there's a big chunk of them, you know, which way you're leaning, are they more often sort of winning draws or losing draws? I felt like it was more the latter for yeah. Orient. There's been a couple, there was probably one where they maybe had the better of play. There was probably one or two that were pretty even, but there were definitely two in there where they, they kind of nicked it. And, and this season, they've already lost at home to Fleetwood, who we know are, are languishing towards the bottom end. They went to Burton and couldn't draw 0-0. I mean, they, they have beaten Exeter and, and Carlisle on the road. So there is some away form to talk of, but those are the only two games they've won away from home this season. Um, yeah, look, I don't think there's loads between these two sides. I don't think Cheltenham are like a far better team. But I do think way too much of Cheltenham's early season form is being factored in here if you are making them the outsiders in this game. There's just there's no way in my mind Cheltenham are the least likely these two teams to win this game based on what we've seen over the last four or five weeks. And that's got to be the form that you look at rather than um, what Cheltenham are doing early on in the campaign under a different manager and when, when performances were, were inherently different. So Cheltenham's good form isn't just I think it's a crucial thing to say it's not just good results like the underlying numbers the shot data the XG data all backs it up as well they are massively improved and I think they'll have the better chances here so at 21 to 10 like I'm yeah I'm all over this yeah at this stage of the season in particular you know, it's, a, it's good to be reminded that when the season starts, we're learning about teams. We try and, and make concrete our opinions about certain teams. Okay, this is their level. Uh, they're either consistent or inconsistent. They're either good, medium or poor. And actually, you get to this stage of the season and you look at the form table, you look at the league table and you are reminded, as if you could ever forget, that in the span of a 46-game league season, there are massive ebbs and flows. There are big peaks and troughs. A team is rarely the same uh, the whole or playing at the same level consistently for the whole season particularly those outside of the, the very top and the very bottom of the table uh, and I think that's what we've got here you know uh, three wins three draws two defeats in Cheltenham's last eight games that's 12 points around a mid-table return uh, Orient obviously haven't won in that time as mentioned you know you said we, we should say this might not continue of course it, it it may not they don't have a particularly excellent squad I would say you know, Daryl Clark has proven himself uh, to be a very good builder of, of solid, efficient, consistent teams, even without um, sort of big names on paper at this level. Uh, but, you know, the ingredients of a good run of results that may tail off is normally poor underlying numbers, is normally a hot finishing streak or something like that. And again, positive goal difference or positive XG goal difference, I should say, for Cheltenham in those last eight games. That suggests they are doing the right things and being rewarded for them. And that makes me think it could be sustained a little bit longer. For Orient, a team news that is a bit of a red flag as well is that uh, Brandon Cooper suspended after that elbow last week. Uh, Omar Beckles is likely to come in. He was the one that got subbed on last week. He hasn't started a game since late September. Of course, he was really important for them last season in winning promotion, but he had a really poor start to the season. Wellens clearly lost confidence in him, to be honest, uh, but I expect that he will come back in. They're not that um, sort of strong in that area. So, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Well, I guess I could agree with you more if it was my nap, which it isn't. It's my next best. Um, but I'm very much... You think there's a better bet than that? I do. This weekend? I do. Are you mad? Looking forward to telling you about, telling you about it, but... Yeah, this this is an example of something I think we get a lot at this stage of the season. A bit like QPR Preston two weeks ago, which both made us a bit of money. 
where the league table says it's 24th versus 16th, but that doesn't represent the, the true gap or the true difference between the two sides. So uh, Cheltenham are better than 2-1. to one. Yes, please. Yes, please. Uh, my nap is Watford to beat Preston in the championship at 6-4. to four. Uh, You've been pretty hot on Watford. It probably mm. took me a little longer to get my chops around them, so to speak, but I think I'm there you now. You do have very small chops. Uh, <laughs> uh, with this one, I want to start by, by chopping the two teams' <laughs> seasons into chunks, right? So Watford started the season they only won two of their first 11 they only picked up 10 points in their first 11 games uh, but it's five wins in their last 10 for 18 points Preston almost the complete opposite they started with 20 points from eight games six wins and two draws no defeats in their last 13 it's 12 points so under a point per game in their last baker's dozen uh, so one of these teams started the season like a relegation level team and then kicked on to now be playing around sort of playoff level and one of these teams started like a playoff level team and has nosedived to basically be performing like a relegation level team both in results and in underlying numbers there's no solace for preston really in the underlying numbers they rank bottom three over the last three months in the championship I'm not moved at all by a 3-1 win against Huddersfield in midweek. I think Huddersfield are, are really poor. I think that their recent run of mostly draws was, you know, not going to be sustained. Um, the fact that Preston are at home here, normally something that you're a bit worried about backing away teams. But four of their five home wins this season came in their first four home games and it's one win, two draws, three defeats since they lost at home to QPR. We watched them the other day. They were really, really poor. Uh, this Watford team... They've had a really tough run of fixtures recently. Uh, they played Saints, they played Ipswich and, and other good sides and their performance have been mostly very positive. The results have been mixed and I, I'm tempted to say that they'll be higher than their current position of 12th in the next month or two. But they are about to play six away games in the next eight in the league, Watford, which is not easy, albeit the fixtures on paper look a little bit kinder. It, it's funny, this, this Watford sort of improvement because... They're obviously a team with sort of some eye-catching individual players, but I wouldn't say outside of maybe Kone in midfield that there are that many individuals that to me are like standing out as playing unbelievably well. But I think that's therefore credit to Ishmael for building a team, despite the high turnover and the chaos at the club, actually building a team that makes sense playing well as a unit. I think that's credit to him, even if, for example, Imran Loser has been sort of uh, binned off for, I guess you know, fit and, and, and motivation reasons. Um, so yeah, I opened up the Betfair Sportsbook uh, this morning, hoping for a good price uh, in Watford Preston. And I think we've got one here at six to four. Watford is my nap. What's your next best? My next best is, um, I don't know why I sound so pained to say it. Well, actually, maybe I'm about to give it away. Um, my next best is Bristol City to beat Sunderland um, at, again, a big price for a home team. They're 11 to five. So again, bigger than two to one nothing at all against Sunderland here like I I think Sunderland are a really good side I think they're <laughs> this is what I said the other day when I picked West Brom to beat them draw no bets nothing about Sunderland and then they because I think they're good and then they were good and then they won rammed it down your throat yeah. well Sunderland have only won three away games this season and two of those have come against QPR and Sheffield Wednesday so there's a lot not to like about their away form <clears throat> they've also been beaten by Stoke on the road albeit again they played okay and they're beaten by Plymouth Argyle again again they played okay and but they couldn't beat Coventry they couldn't beat Swansea they couldn't beat Millwall so against the poorest sides in the championship you know if if, it, if you turn those poor results or the games they've dropped points in where maybe you wouldn't expect them to Sunderland would be right up there with the top teams in in the in the, in the table they play against the Bristol City side who are yeah. Turmoil is a strong word, but things 
aren't particularly happy there right now. The fans weren't happy with the Pearson decision. Fans weren't particularly enamoured with the Liam Manning appointment. And when you look at the results, they haven't been particularly happy with what's happened since then. You know, they've lost three of their last four. The only point came in a one-all draw at Huddersfield. But this feels to me like a bit of Liam Manning variance, where I think we're seeing at Oxford now that even though Manning did an incredible job at Oxford, they were running a little bit hot. They were overperforming their XG pretty considerably. And now, to my eye, you know, we went to Southampton and we saw Bristol City think, play, I thought, pretty well. And, and uh, in midweek, they went to Blackburn. They were 2-0 down fairly on in the game, but they had loads of chances. And at 2-1, they had opportunities to make, to make, to make the game 2-all. And it was only really um, Volstead, the Blackburn keeper, that kept them in it, saving a couple of times from Jason Knight late on. You look at the Huddersfield game where they drew one all, and again, they created five by, far the better, by, by far the better chances within the game. They're restricting the opposition to very few opportunities consistently game by game. I just don't think Bristol City are playing as badly as their, as their results suggest that they are. And their home form, for the most part of the season, has been pretty good. You know, you, the two undefeated Norwich last time wasn't great, but before that, they beat beaten Sheffield Wednesday and Middlesbrough. The Middlesbrough game being a good performance under Manning where they beat a top side 3-2 in the league. So Sunderland are definitely good and Sunderland will cause them massive issues. But I don't think there is anywhere near as much between these two sides as the price suggests. So again, like a home side who I don't think are doing much wrong at the moment, available at bigger than 2-1 to one at 11-5 to five is my next best. I'm staying in the same game. Take me to Ashton Gate where this is the rhythm of the night. Oh, night. Oh, yeah. The rhythm of the night. I'd love to see like a c- compilation of people's faces as they listen to that, like on the tube, on the way to a game, just the, just the levels of cringe. We're not done with Jason Knight of Bristol City. We're not done with it. We're not done. 15-2 to any time to score at home to Sunderland. They're Georgia's next best. We're on one of their players to score as well. We picked Jason Knight last week at 7-1. to He had three shots, one on target. We backed him midweek as well in the midweek slate. Four shots, three on target. Went close again. Uh, the price is still out there at 15-2. to And quite clearly... In the EFL, if you're trying to make money backing goal scorers, particularly at this stage of the season where most of the number nines, most of the strikers or even the goal scoring wide forwards have now been slashed, cut. There's not much juice to squeeze. You have to try and and find these examples. You know, uh, these are the ones. This is the the whole reason for the goal scorer pick, basically. When When you know that the price can't be right based on recent evidence, but thankfully it hasn't yet been noticed or changed or cut yet. Jason Knight as discussed last week, is playing in a very advanced midfield role. Call it an attacking eight, call it a number 10, whatever you like. He is the most attacking central player outside of the striker, Tommy Conway. And the Sportsbook have 28 players priced up as more likely to score than Jason Knight this weekend at home to Sunderland. Uh, I'm so sure that that's uh, good value that we go in again. Jason Knight, 15-2, to anytime is my goal scorer. Uh, George, what about you? Yeah, for my goal scorer, I'm taking a bit of a chance here where I'm picking a player who... If only there was a song for that. No. This is not a musical theatre podcast, Ali. Um, I'm going to the championship where... I'm going to Plymouth Argyle Rotherham where Argyle, unsurprisingly because they're home form, are eight to th- 13 to 20. That's a new price for me. Uh, Favourites are home to Rotherham. Um, Mustafa Bundu 
is 11 to 4 to score any time. And I'm going to take a chance he's going to start. And I'm going to back that because Bundu's playing up front for Argyle when he plays. He plays through the middle between um, the wide the wide two. And he started two games back-to-back prior to the midweek draw at QPR. And the fact that he was only brought on with 10 minutes to go and hardly played 80 minutes in midweek would suggest to me that Bundu will probably come back in on Saturday. So I'm taking the risk at 11-4 to because it's not 11-4. to Like You can't be... Four to seven to win a game at home, where you score, where you score so many goals, and your main striker through the middle is eleven to four to score any time. That is just incorrect mathematics. I'm going to add a bit of eye test on top of this Thank as you. well. Having been at the Argyle QPR game on, on Wednesday night, Hardy put in a serious shift. They mm. had ten men from the 25th minute. He was on his own up top, ploughing a lone furrow. He ran through three or four times and and did not finish his dinner. Uh, I think that the chance of rotation, particularly playing for a club known for rotating their strikers, yeah. is high. I guess Ben Wayne is a possible issue, but I think with Bundu having played back-to-back games, you know, he scored in the 2 on over Stoke. He started at Leicester, was hooked with about half an hour to go. Had a one-on-one. He um, he started and scored against Sheffield Wednesday back in October, and then played the next game against uh, against Ipswich. Like he's, I think the more the season goes on, the more starts he's going to make uh, this season, uh, Bundu. And I, yeah, it's it's a simple he's not like a massive XG monster he's someone who will score goals he's someone I've been really impressed with his pacing behind is very impressive but it could really be anyone like when you're when you're four to seven at home and you score the amount of goals that you score and you're 11 or four to score anytime there's a disconnect there where I, I assume it's because the assumption is that he's a wide player or something but he's he's playing as a striker Betfair are back with their completely free Acker or Bet Builder this weekend. Uh, this is on football. It requires you to go to the promotions page and opt in, uh, and it's uh, it's up and running from Thursday 14th. That's today uh, up until the 18th as well. The max bet, uh, the free bet rather, varies from one pound to ten pounds per customer. Minimum odds 1.5 on minimum one leg. Uh, eligibility criteria and T's and C's do apply, uh, but do make the most of Betfair's offer uh, of a completely free hacker or bet builder on football this weekend. Uh, long shot. Yeah, strategy-wise, I've been really going through it with the old long shot because you look at the season numbers, I'm up on naps, just about. I'm up on NBs by decent bit. I'm up on goal scorers by quite a fair bit. Long shot, still haven't landed one. Clearly, that's dragging me down big time. So I think it makes sense to kind of double down on something that I'm doing well, uh, and that's goal scorers. Uh, I'm going to try that for a few weeks and see how we go. And I think we've got a very similar situation to the Jason Knight situation, which, as you could probably tell, I feel pretty strongly about. And that is Watford's Edo Kayembe uh, to score any time at 8-1 to one this weekend. Now, uh, Watford, my nap, I'm expecting them to have a fair bit of joy against Preston North End. And the reason it's like Jason Knight is because Kayembe, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, uh, he had his role changed by Val Ishmael. He was playing quite deep. He was a kind of, in theory anyway, kind of press-resistant defensive midfielder. He's not brilliant on the ball, bit of a ball-winner type, and that's where he started the season. But Ishmael's had a bit of a brainwave. Uh, he's, he wants Livermore and Kone next to Livermore, and that seems to be a partnership that's well-complemented. And he's moved Kayembe further forward. The good news is... The price hasn't really changed. He's still being priced up like a defence midfielder or a defence-minded central midfielder, whereas he's playing ahead of the ball. He is, like Knight, uh, the one behind the striker. If you watch Watford attack, they often attack down the sides, down the left in particular with Ken Semmer. 
When the balls come in, there's the striker attacking it, Ryovic or Bayo. And generally, there's Edo Kayembe sort of shuffling into the box as well to try and pick up the pieces. He has scored two goals in his last six league games, Kayembe. And here's his shot count over the last eight. Four, one, three, one, four, three, three, three. The small issue is I don't think he's very good at shooting. But that hasn't stopped him scoring two in his last six. He's in positions where goals happen. And uh, I want to be backing Edo Kayembe 8-1 to one, anytime for Watford uh, about Preston. I, I hate having a, a, a losing streak. It's been a bad four or five weeks. It feels pretty terrible when you're doing it in a, in a sort of public-ish sphere. Um, and it is easy for confidence to be knocked. But particularly with the goal scorer stuff... I am pretty sure that this is a good strategy and that these two in particular, Knight and Kayembe, are good picks at the prices. So if we can continue to find them and back them long term, we will win. I'm confident of that. Uh, so there you go. Edo Kayembe, 8-1, to one, Watford anytime. My long shot, I'm going to correct score as we... I mean, actually, I've got a couple of these right and I haven't got any correct scores right. I think I'm buoyed by getting two out of three on the six fix on oh, well our podcast on um, ntc20.com last weekend. Nice. Yeah, that was impressive. Um, Shrewsbury against Pompey. And I'm, I'm I'm kind of surprised. I think Pompey are a backable price here. I mean, they're short. I think they're four to five. But still, given how impressive they've been against the Shrewsbury side, who are kind of defying maths and logic right now, um, I wouldn't put anyone off. Even though, as I keep saying, I need to stop getting sucked in by short price away sides. Um, but if you look at their What's results... What's the likely scoreline? We're oh, on sorry. tenterhooks here, mate. 2-0 two, two at 7-1. 2-0, okay, nice. 2-0 at 7-1. Um, Shrewsbury Town, just the, their ability to score goals in games where they aren't um, creating many chances is pretty incredible. But they come up against a Pompey side who are pretty good at shutting teams out. On the road, they've kept a clean sheet against Stevenage. They've kept a clean sheet against uh, Northampton, Leighton Orient, Cambridge and Burton. I think my prediction is that Shrewsbury will not score in this game. Mm. And that brings you know the focus into 1-0, 2-0, 3-0 probably. You're not really going to look over that. In terms of the, the 1-0 defeats, surprisingly for a team like Shrewsbury who don't concede many goals, there hasn't been a massive precedent for them to be beaten 1-0 at home this season. They've been beaten 2-0 twice. They've been beaten 1-0 by Lincoln. There's two 2-0s against Bolton, against Bristol Rovers. It feels, you know, 1-0 is 5-1. Is to one. I think there is, basically, this is a bigger runner than a 7-1 to one shot, um, to my mind. I'm not a big correct score kind of better, um, but Shrewsbury's home form is so impressive in terms of the games that they've won that I really want to take it on um, with a, a backable... Well, that's what I'm doing. With Just, a ba- mate, do with it. With a backable Portsmouth price. So 7-1 for a 2-0 away win is my, uh, is my selection here. Okay, well, yeah. Excited for a lot of those picks, to be honest. Uh, let's finish off with a BTTS sixfold. Talk me through your BTTS trio. Yeah, I think Wednesday QPR is the most interesting in my mind. Um, it's ten to eleven, or nine to ten, basically ten to eleven. Again, it's two sides who've been pretty poor at it from an attacking standpoint for most of the season, but that's changed under Danny Royal and Martí Fuentes. And I think both of their both of their games over the last three or four weekends have been really end to end and really open. Even the, the game that you went to last night between QPR and Plymouth Argyle, they were chances at both ends it was by no means a nil-nil game in terms mm. of the actual um, balance of play so it wasn't stalemate that's what you said earlier um, so it's yeah I, th- I think this is a, a a case where things are changing at both clubs I don't think either are particularly good defensively but they're certainly both ramping up their you know the the basis for both of their improvement under the new managers is the attacking output so that bodes well Oxford Burton is even money so you're getting a 
you know, an even money, not even odds on for BTTS here. Um, and this is mainly to do with Oxford's defensive uh, record recently. Greg Lee has been injured for the last couple of weeks, which means that Kieran Brown has moved to left back and Jordan Thornley's moved in centre back. Um, also, Sam Long out injured, so Finn Stevens playing right back. The balance has been shaken. Manning, also a very good defensive coach, has gone, and I think we're seeing the defensive shape pay for that. They were conceded two against Cheltenham. They, they kept a clean sheet against Bolton, conceded against Reading last time out, conceded three against Posh as well. And James Beadle has been probably the man of the match in, well, certainly three of those games, the last three. So it's the keeper who's basically keeping that um, goals against column down. So even though Burton, having sat their manager in Dino Mamria, themselves aren't in great shape, I kind of fancy anyone to create chances against Oxford right now. But I also think Oxford should have the firepower to create against Burton. Josh Murphy in particular is looking really, really good finally at the moment for the home side. And then Gillingham Bradford, another one, two managerial changes. Spoken a lot about Gillingham and, and the new um, style of plan of Stephen Clements, but I think with Bradford even more so. Like It's quite surprising that Graham Alexander's come in and overseen such an improvement from an attacking standpoint recently, given that he's not necessarily the best attacking coach, as MK Don's found out earlier in the season. But again, two teams who where the onus is now, to start the season, there were two teams who were, were basically quite defensive teams who's att- attacking... Um, proficiency wasn't particularly good, which is why both managers lost their jobs. I think both are massively improving now. So again, at 20 to 23, I think all three of those make decent appeal at the prices. Yes, lovely. Thank lovely you. stuff, mate. Uh, my trio are in League One, Barnsley and Charlton. I think uh, across the whole of the EFL this weekend, this to me looks like the most BTTS-y, uh, just because both teams are so top-heavy, both in terms of the, the quality of their squads and also the way in which their managers like to play. And Neil Collins has gone uh, full vibes, really, with, with Barnsley this season. And they do attack with great vigour. Uh, they've got brilliant technical midfielders. They get some goal threat from midfield when Adam Phillips plays and Herbie Kane as well. Um, they attack down the sides a lot and they've always got two up top as well. So uh, I think against a, a Charlton team looking pretty wobbly, they've got a good chance of uh, netting a couple, and, but they're not so good at the back. Uh, De Giovini, McCart and Jordan Williams is not among the strongest uh, defences in the division uh, and they do concede 1.33 goals per game at Oakwell. Uh, I'm also going in League 2 with Crewe against Accrington, a very short price and, and I understand why I think this is a classic uh, case where both teams will feel very confident of beating the other one and will get a lot out of it if they do because of the uh, respective league positions with Crewe in 5th and Accrington in 10th but only six points between the two teams uh Aki games i always think of a, as sort of fairly high scoring and that's backed up in the in the goals conceded and scored column uh, this season they did have a nil nil last week against doncaster but i'm not particularly worried about that i think that's a, an exception rather than a rule uh, whereas cruise games have had 71 goals this season in 20 games that is uh, over three and a half goals per game goalsy not very good at the back pretty fun going forward uh, and then Newport Grimsby, Newport, pretty similar to the uh, to the Crew scenario where they've scored thirty one goals in twenty one games, but they've conceded thirty eight. Uh, this is the third most goals conceded. No, the fourth most goals conceded 
in the league this season. Uh, they come up against a Grimsby team looking much more coherent going forward under Dave Artel, really attacking uh, mindset uh, and nothing really to lose here after, a, a yeah, they're in really good form, Grimsby unbeaten in five. So they've had BTTS land in all five of those games. Uh, they're going for it a little bit more this season, they, uh, or rather under Artel. They are a bit more open at the back and I think that plays into our hands because Newport with Bogle, Palmer Holden and Will Evans, uh, those three up front are enough to trouble any League Two defence. So my three are... Barnsley Charlton, crew Alex against wow, Accrington. Cool noise. And Newport against Grimsby. And your three are Oxford against Burton uh, is one of them. Sheffield Wednesday against QPR, the other. And in League Two, Chillingham against Bradford. Uh, my picks this week are Watford to beat Preston, my nap at six to four, uh, Cheltenham to beat Orient, twenty-one to ten, my next best. Both prices the Betfair Sportsbook. All prices the Betfair Sportsbook. My goal scorer Jason Knight of Bristol City at fifteen to two, uh, and my long shot is Edo Kayembe to score any time for Watford at Preston at eight to one any time. Cheltenham are my nap. Um, they're at home to Leighton Orient, Bristol City, my next best at home to Sunderland. Uh, my goal scorer is Mustafa Bundu at eleven to four for. Plymouth Argyle at home to Rotherham and then Pompey to win 2-0 at 7-1 is my long shot. Next week, we'll be previewing the festive fixtures on The Betting Show. We're really looking forward to the very, very busy festive slate. We hope that you'll uh, join us throughout on Not The Top 20 podcast, but also on ntt20.com. Uh, we have a, a betting newsletter called The Long Shot, uh, which is aimed at serious punters. And we've got a really, really fun Christmas bonus feature for our paid subscribers. So if you're interested in the sound of that... It'll be wide-ranging and it'll be providing some uh, long-term speculation for 2024, mm. not just in football. That's the long shot, our betting newsletter. If that sounds of interest, then uh, you can find it on Substack. And thank you very much to Betfair for sponsoring this podcast. And we hope you have a fabulous weekend. And we look forward to talking you through all the action on the Monday pod. Go well.